Scripture reading, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 26. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each accordingly to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tim. Will you pray with me? Holy One, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. So there's a memory that comes crashing back to me every single time I preach on the parable of the talents. Years ago, 25 years ago, when I was attending college in Texas, I would come home, home meaning Loveland, Colorado, in the summers, and most summers I helped out with Vacation Bible School. Now Vacation Bible School is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. I loved it since I was a kid. I've loved it as an adult. Always love Vacation Bible School. But this one year in the late 90s, During our Vacation Bible School, the theme was some sort of Renaissance festival theme. I remember that there there were music videos that I'm pretty sure we played on VHS players in our fellowship hall and hooked it up to like a projector that put it up on the wall. And the music was very medieval-y, meaning Lots of harps, lots of flutes, and very lilting melodies. Seriously cheesy. It was so bad. One day, the story for the day was the parable of the talents. And the song that went with it was suitably flouncy. The video was of a lady frolicking through a meadow with a flower crown on her head, singing, And the words were, use it or lose it. Use your gifts and they will grow. Use it or lose it. Use your gifts and love will show. 
Now, of course, that is the only part of the song I can remember these 25 years later. Over the years, I have wanted nothing more than to find evidence of that song, a recording, or even a video of the prancing maiden on YouTube. But alas, no such thing exists that I can find. I really wish I could share the amazingness with you, but probably it's best just buried in my heart for no other human to ever have to endure. And the lesson of use it or lose it, I suppose, was appropriate for the children. The idea that we all have talents and gifts, kind of like Ms. Sherry said, and if we don't use them, practice them, hone them, then we might lose them. For adults, though, this means something a little bit different, at least in the stewardship sense. Because this particular parable is a very traditional stewardship parable to preach on. And a very traditional understanding of it is that we have all been given different levels of talents or resources, and we are supposed to invest them to bring about glory to God and abundance to the ministry of the church. And if that's what it's about, then sermon done. Peace out. Drop your offering in the box on the way. And yet, when we hear the parable, there's something a little unsettling about it, at least for me. I don't know, I'm a little caught up on that very last phrase that Tim read of the scripture. When the master comes back and says to the servant who had only been given the one talent, he says, you wicked and lazy slave. Now I cut off the reading, the scripture reading a little early because the master goes on to say other things. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with 10 talents for to all those who have more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, that's pretty harsh. Especially when we know that the context of this parable is one that Jesus is sharing with the preamble of the kingdom of God will be like. The kingdom of God will be like this? So are we to understand if we don't use our money and resources the way God would have us to, do we would be thrown into the outer darkness? I don't know about you, but that's disappointing. And truly, it doesn't seem like the kind of kingdom that I care to be a part of. What's so special about these talents anyway? Apparently, in the ancient world, 
a talent was a huge amount of money. It wasn't a coin. In fact, for a day laborer like this servant, it would have been worth 15 years of wages. Can you imagine being given stewardship of something so precious, so abundant, that it's worth almost, is so big, it doesn't even make sense to you? For this poor servant, who undoubtedly lived day by day and worried about how they might feed themselves and their family tomorrow, this might have well been billions of dollars, even though dollars didn't exist then. This might have well been their weight in gold. It might as well have been all the crown jewels. It was a lot of money. And so this servant did what, I don't know, many of us might have done. They found the safest place they could think of, and they put the gift there. And then he gets in trouble for taking care of the treasure in the best way he knew how. Maybe to have this parable feel a little bit better, we should remember that Jesus' parables were stories of metaphor, that the kingdom of heaven is like this. These are not straight, literal translations, so maybe Jesus isn't talking about money at all. Maybe Jesus is talking about abundance and fear. As preacher Jen Nash once wrote, we live too much of our lives caught up in the fear of not having enough, not being enough, not doing enough. The parable contrasts those who faced risk with uncertainty and acted anyway, and those who faced the same but cowered in fear. The kingdom of heaven that Jesus proclaims is based on a very different kind of economy than what we might find here in the world. The kingdom of God then is a place where small and simple gifts are increased, where offerings are not depletion of resources, but multiplication of them like loaves and fishes. The kingdom of God has the kind of economy where one of us is lifted up, then we're all lifted up. And when one is brought low, we're all brought low. There are commodities in this kingdom of God. They are bread and they are cup. And the bread and cup of our covenant with God is abundant with blessing. They are not gifts to be hoarded and kept. They are blessings to be shared. But the idea that there is not enough, not enough to share, not enough to spread, the idea of scarcity leaves us trapped in fear. But the investment in the idea of abundance grows dividends because there's always enough to share. 
So when we think of using it or losing it, it's not really about us personally losing something, especially something tangible like an ability or some money. And it's not really about the church not being able to meet the budget if you don't use your resources wisely. It's about being stewards of the abundant resources of God's love and grace and hope. And knowing that when we share these intangible things, great and wonderful things begin to happen, like connection and relationship, care for others through acts of service and sacrifice, altered attitudes based in blessing and plenty, and finding there is always more, always more, always more from the source of all good things. But there's always that other side. You know, that, that idea that maybe if we just keep it to ourselves, that there's not necessarily a punishment for us individually but maybe the punishment is that the world is a little less. The world is a little darker. Because the blessing is one that the whole world, the kingdom of God, loses out on. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.